With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you looking for a pair of sunglasses that are as about a good time as we are here at the corner booth? Well, look no further. Yeet's official sunglasses are polarized, stylish, and fit any occasion. All of us here at the corner booth, we each got a pair. We're rocking right now in studio. You want yours? Go to yeetsofficial.com, promo code CORNERBOOTH for 10% off, and get your pair now. My personal recommendation, the Aquas, always fly as hell. Enjoy it. Yeats Official, official sponsor of the Corner Booth Podcast. You ready? No debate, cause they sold. I'm too official, got the drip, I got the sauce. Bring the proof when it's time to tell the truth. I'll be at the corner booth, find me in the corner booth, yeah. Still standing and defiant. Slay the competition, cause I'm walking like a giant. Bring the proof when it's time to tell the truth. I'll be at the corner booth, find me in the corner booth, corner booth. I see my love. Hey, I, I I feel like I have not officially said this. I've tiptoed around it. Hey, will you marry me? Do I have to answer now? Or? <laughs> um, no, you have time. You you can think about it. You can think about a way to say no without hurting my feelings if you want. Oh Lovely. I'll send you a letter. Just don't even. Right, right, cool. Thank you. I'll I'll send you my address later so you can send it to my house. Yeah, I'm never giving you my address. I don't want you getting that close. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Corner Ruth Podcast. We are live here on YouTube. It was a beautiful Tuesday today, man. I, was, I honestly debated on hitting the links today. If I didn't shoot so crappy on Sunday, I probably would have. I am, of course, your host, Jerry Clem. Alongside nobody. It's just me today hosting. I have a special guest coming on in about 15 minutes as well. Um, Savannah, of course, is... Working and then going on vacation, and I didn't feel like getting anybody else to host me. I feel like doing the solo because I wanted to rant today. Honestly, a lot of great news happened since our live show on Thursday. Shots to tailgate in the quad. Host Kevin, former co-host, of course, of mine, to come on and, of course, co-host with me and shoot the shit with me for my entire uh, NFL Friends to recap for his birthday show. Also, shout out to our guest in the last minute, Mr. Ryan McCarthy, for coming through as well. Oh, it was a good time. It was a good show. It was a good weekend for me as well. I uh, genuinely enjoyed all the people stopped by, listened to the show, commented, hung out. I really did appreciate. Also, the enormous amount of beer and whiskey I was gifted by friends and family. I may never have to go to the liquor store again except to return cans. Seriously. But that that either way, a lot of stuff this weekend has gone down, even in the last 24 hours, I'd say. 
the biggest one off the rip is definitely Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns. Um, if you talk to anybody, I'd even say as of Saturday, oh, even Friday morning or Thursday night, he they were out. The Browns maybe had a 10% chance at max going into Friday. Out of nowhere, Watson, over $230 million and the most guaranteed money I've ever seen in a quarterback contract. It's definitely something to behold. And honestly, you know what? Good for Cleveland. They're getting the quarterback. My biggest issue with it really has turned into what do they do with Baker Mayfield? And, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. First off, Watson makes the Browns instantly the NFC North's second best team. I still think the Bengals are better. The Bengals' only issue. I'd say their only issue really is I just don't trust their secondary. They fixed their other problem, which was their offensive line. They got, they went and got Lael Collins recently. Um, I can't remember the, the guard they got for oh, Alex Kappa. They got one other, uh, I think another interior guy as well, and uh, a tackle. So four starters total. Which I thought was remarkable. Joe Burrow, I heard recruit him like the Don. And my best part about hearing all this is that Burrow wants to win. They're not sitting on the fact that, oh, we made the AFC Championship a Super Bowl as a wild card team. No, they, they want the Super Bowl. Or no, it's division team, technically, but they were like definitely the lowest seed division team. The Browns definitely, though, I think really with Watson. At this point, like he's mostly going to play at least <clears throat> three quarters of the season, unless it all depends on if Gazelle, of course, chucks a suspension at him. But whether that's likely or not, <clears throat> I look at Deshaun Watson. The Browns is a solid eleven and six team that is going to beat a lot of teams because Watson is better at Baker Mayfield at basically everything. <clears throat> Maybe not play action. Baker is a pro at that, but. You got to give the Browns some credit. I I mean, I do think they need another receiver besides Dom Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper. Uh, I I love Njoku as a tight end. I love the running backs, but I do believe – allergies are killing me today. I do believe that wholeheartedly the Browns need at least one more target. Maybe go get like a a second-round guy. We'll talk, of course, draft draft picks. Uh, Good friend of the show and belly up. Um, draft. I guess I, I I guess I'm a draft expert at this point. This kid's a f- been just putting in the work to earn that title. But uh, our good friend Uke, uh, he is uh belly up Uke on Twitter. If you have, oh no, Uke on football. I can't. I have to ask when he gets here. But um, this dude's done like over fifty to eighty prospect reviews. So he's gonna come out. We're gonna shoot uh top ten draft grades today. Quarterbacks all the way. I mean, I'm not gonna make this kid do kickers and punters. Who actually wants to hear that? But offensive lineman. Defensive linemen, uh, quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, all of it. We're going to fit all into one show. Unlike last time where me and Kevin tried to squeeze it into two. Honestly, like, one thing about this when I'm uh, running solo here, no time constraints, kids. Uh, we're here for the long haul. So we are here for probably the next hour and a half to two hours talking draft things. Uh, another thing happened, I believe, oof, yesterday around 3 o'clock. Matt Ryan to the Colts. Now, 
the Colts are not going to win the AFC South in their current state. They need receivers. Michael Pittman Jr. is a great number two. Or it could be even a great 1A, but they need to go get another guy. I don't know if that's go get Julio and hope he stays healthy. Go get a Jarvis Landry. I, I'm lost here. I don't know where they go from here. Um, I really look at the Colts from the standpoint that they have one of the best rosters of positions that don't wow you besides Jonathan Taylor. I mean, they probably could use another corner after they dumped Rocky Sin to go get uh, Yannick Ngakwe. But honestly, I think the Colts are probably, with Matt Ryan right now, are a 10-7 and team, and they're a wild-card spot. But they still don't beat the Titans. I think the Titans just, after getting Bobby Trees, my dude Rob Woods, I think they're just a much better roster. But I think this all depends on – I mean, the Colts could – like, this is a very deep receiving class we're going to talk about in a little bit. <clears throat> I actually just watched, I think, my 50th Prospects film today. So uh, <laughs> that puts me in enough. I mean, I also skipped guys who I watched a lot in college. I mean, I watched like 10-second, 30-second clips, but I saw enough. And I'll talk about that during the show when uh, you gets here. But basically, there's all gonna be, it's going to be a weird dynamic because now Baker Mayfield's out of a job. You have Pickett, Willis, Ritter, Sam Howell. Um. Oh my God, Carson Strong. I am blanking on somebody's name right now. Oh, my boy, Matt Corral. All who could possibly get some playing time. Maybe not starting, but you're talking about possibly Kenny Pickett starting in Carolina if they draft him. I'm like, oh boy. I'm sorry, I'm not a big fan of Kenny Pickett's. I had to watch him for four years at my at uh, Pittsburgh or five years actually, technically, but. I watched them play against Miami for five years because they're in Miami's division. Pittsburgh, that is. I um, you know, I think he's a good quarterback, runs well. The fake slide thing definitely irritated me. I was like, you know, kind of hoping somebody cleaned his clock a little bit after that one, but this is kind of a dirty move, pretending to slide and you know, the whole quarterback's a protected thing, and then go that's a that's a whole long story. I think I talked about that the episode from December 15th or whatever. Whenever they had the championship game against uh, Wake Forest, I believe. I can't remember, honestly. It feels like ages ago, the bowl where we had championship weekend. Um, Eagle, my Eagles signed Zach Pascal, which I, I was talking to somebody about this. I said, listen, I would have loved to get Julio or Robert Woods, but like, listen, we know. Devontae Smith is our number one. Quez Watkins is fun. I would love for him to get more targets because he's just, every time he gets the ball in his hands, he does something awesome. It just means Jalen Rager is going to get less and less touches, which makes me happy. Even though I, I, I tried to hold out hope for Rager up until week 18 of this year. So, <clears throat> but yeah, no crazy weekend. Overall, Leonard Fred, of course, signing today with the Buccaneers for a three-year deal. I think it was $21 million guaranteed. Or $20 million total. I think it was nine. I don't even remember the guarantee number. But either way, I'm a big playoff Lenny guy. You got Everyone who listens to the show knows that. I think the bus label that got slapped on him was way – was thrown out way too early. I think for not just needing to get the winning system. So, uh, definitely think he, you know – 
I think this is just the best fit, fit for him. I would love to see him go to Buffalo, but of course, you know, they sold the farm for Von Miller. So basically at this point, Tampa Bay is the best fit for him. I'm just, I'm also trying to see where the hell they send Saquon now. Or OBJ goes, or apparently uh, Bobby Wagner's now waiting. Tyron Matthews and signs. And it's interesting. I mean, our team's just going to wait till the draft. Or, or not teams. Uh, these players are going to wait for the draft. I think Saquon, of course, obviously, because he's going to get traded. But I think a lot of teams are going to wait for the draft now because now they can kind of negotiate. I feel like the Giants will try to move up or move back and use Saquon as a trade piece. I don't know. It's That's why tonight's going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm actually doing my first mock draft tomorrow, I believe. I'll be doing one. Not live, obviously, because that's just boring. But I'm definitely looking forward to, like, you know, actually getting look, getting nitty-gritty doing the prospects. Everyone knows after that first year me and Mark did them, um, I refused to do one before free agency is, like, basically over because, you know, everyone's talking about, like, a team. Like, so, like, my Eagles, for example, right? Everyone's like, oh, they're going to take Chris Olave with their first pick. And I'm like, eh, they went and got a third receiver. I'm not saying Zach Pascal is better than Chris Olave because that's just not right now, I think. Pascal at best is a three receiver. He's fast, but it's about it. Good, good hands. Surprising. I was watching his tape yesterday, but I honestly, I think every team is going to be a wild card anyway, because I thought the saints were out on running backs when they signed Adrian Peterson to go with Mark Ingram a few years ago. And then they go and get Alvin Kamara in the fourth round of 2017. So it really just comes down to how nuts are these GMs and who's going to stay with the quarterback. It's being the quarterbacks. We talked about this already a little bit, but Baker Mayfield, I don't know where he's going to go. I would love to see him in Houston, but I don't think that Lovey Smith is going to want that headache when Davis Mills showed a lot of promise last year. I'm not going to lie. I've been a Davis Mills supporter for most of the time he was in Houston. I think he's a very solid prospect. I think he honestly played very well for his circumstances. And now he's going to get the full-time starting spot. So I, I honestly do believe wholeheartedly that Davis Mills in Houston. So that just leaves where the hell is Baker going to go? I mean, unless they cut him, he's not going to Pittsburgh. Who's the only place I, I, I'm thinking like in my head of like places that need a quarterback now. I'd say Pittsburgh. I just, cause I don't know if they're really going to go with Mitch Carolina, which I suppose maybe these are fit for Baker. Seattle, I don't know if they're going to go through lock or not. And then after that, everyone's got a guy they kind of would rather have over Baker. It's a weird dynamic this year. A lot of backups, like Marcus Mariota going to Atlanta. That's the other one I kind of skimmed over with Jameis going back to New Orleans as well. I mean, Atlanta's probably going to go get a quarterback, but nobody's, they're not going to start him. Mariota's probably going to be the starter at least the next year or two, unless he has like an all pro caliber season then they then they just tried the draft pick or trade I it's a a lot of these teams are in these weird two-year deals with quarterbacks I think Winston Pittsburgh uh with uh Mitch in Atlanta with Mariota I honestly think they're all making the right idea because one next year's quarterback class is freaking loaded so Pittsburgh has an average year oh my god you have a loaded class next year Stroud Van Dyke and of course the reigning Heisman champion um, Bryce Young. My biggest thing is I truly look 
at everything with these quarterbacks. And one of the guys, I'm going to talk about him later, I think has the potential to be the best quarterback in this draft class. And he's not even on my counterpart's board, according to uh, his messages he sent me before. So uh, we'll definitely see about that. You're, uh, you should be hearing about, I'd say, I'd say two or three minutes. Um, but huh, I'm just, this whole NFL season's going to be fun. I, I honestly think there's been never like a, a way the quarterback carousel has like swarmed around. I do want to give a quick shout out to my uh, North Carolina Tar Heels. For punching Baylor in the teeth for three quarters of that game. Um, that's not bad. Um, usually I don't get on. I, I get on refs a lot. Who am I kidding? Uh, but one of my biggest things right now is that North Carolina, an eight seed, went into basically into Baylor's backyard in Fort Worth, Texas, on the campus of Texas Christian University grad school. Um, by the way, shout out to them for giving Arizona a run. Holy smokes, that game was fun to watch. I think this weekend was just loaded with great basketball games. I think it's the most fun tournament I've watched in a long time. But the refs during the UNC-Baylor game were atrocious. They started swinging that game towards Baylor so hard. And I think it was uh, oh, Jeff Rosen. I think it was Jeff Rosenthal. God, his name is going to escape me right now. But he was on um, McAfee yesterday. Or no, Rich Eisen today. Yesterday? Yesterday. And they were talking about everything when it came to the refing issue in college basketball. Where I watched my Tar Heels almost blow a game. Well, one, because you know our best player was ejected for a... Really wasn't a flagrant one, but was a flagrant one. But called a flagrant two, kind of, and then you know, of course, you had guys fouling out left and right, and all the other BS that is encompassing college basketball. Either way, I just this has been such a fun tournament, and you know, even the St. Peter's dynamic, which is hysterical because they need one more win. My Tarzan's one more win, and we're staring down a healthy St. Peter's versus North Carolina matchup in the Elite Eight, which would be hysterical. But uh, I am definitely up for that. But joining me now to talk a shitload of NFL draft coverage. We're going to start off, of course, to do top ten, top five rankings. And then we move our way up. As, of course, me and some uh, special friends will be doing mock drafts. In about three, four weeks, I'll do my first one tomorrow, obviously, because I'm a man who makes the commitment. Join me now. Belly up draft expert. A man who I actually had to re-double take when he wrote his name. He wrote his name because I thought his name was Yuri from like No Russian and you know all that Call of Duty stuff. This man is a draft expert, if there is one at Belly of Sports. Over 50 prospect articles written. I may school him on one quarterback tonight because I have a hot take about this quarterback class. Joining me now, please welcome my friend, new to the program, Yuke. What's up, buddy? How we doing? How we doing? Nothing I love more than being called a draft expert, man, for sure. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. When I talk draft with people, usually I get super nerdy back because I love watching tape on college prospects. First of all, I love college football. T -t Besides football itself, it is my favorite thing to watch. I love the emotion of it. I love how the players, I love seeing those prospects. And the development of it's incredible. 
one thing I love about the draft is I love the, like, free agency's fun, but it's just dollars and cents. But seeing how these rookies are going to develop in a system is the best thing ever. And I know you've heard this stat a thousand times. I think now that um, Goff and Wentz are, I think Dak is the only player drafted before 28, uh, besides Kyler Murray, before the 2019 class or 18, no. I think it's the 17 class back. 16? Whatever it is. Up until 2017, there was no players besides Dak Prescott who are first-round pick quarterbacks who have stayed on the roster or something ridiculous like that. Really? But, but then you think about it. Wentz, he's now his third team in three years. Jared Goff is now in the Lions. You go back even farther. Mariota and Watt and uh, Winston are both on different teams. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, not in the same team anymore. Uh, Sean Watson's now gone. Uh, he's in, um, you know, of course, Cleveland. And Baker Mayfield's gonna be. It's in. You go. You go back even further. Even Sam Darnold's second team. It, it's starting to find. It's starting to be fun to me, you That I. I look at all these quarterback prospects. I guess because we're gonna start talking quarterbacks in a minute. But sure. drafting a first round quarterback anymore just seems like a not a death sentence. But unless you sw- hit a home run, you're. It's gonna be a fly. It's gonna. It's not gonna work now. That's the way well, I, I gotta be honest with you. I don't think the hit rate is lower. I just think that the patience in the NFL is way like shorter. You know, none of the owners have patience to mess around with these developing these, you know, young upcoming talents. You know, guys like Tua, who I think he's not really not that bad, you know. I, I mean, I didn't like him coming out of college, but I don't think he's that bad. I think you can develop him into a good quarterback. It's just these owners, these coaches, they don't have patience for these quarterbacks anymore. The fans are way more, you know, with Twitter and social media. It's like and all these opinions flying around. There's no time to develop these quarterbacks. So if you're not amazing, if you're not Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, one of those guys in what, three years, then you're done. That's it. Career over. Well, it's the whole microwave era. Think about it. Like this is why for my team, Philadelphia, I'm almost kind of happy. We made our quarterback sit for 12, 15 games. Cause he got to sit back and watch. He got, I'm a big birds fan. He got to sit back (laughs) and watch Carson show you not how to play quarterback. So you know, it's and you look at Mahomes. He sat behind Alex Smith, one of the best, one of the best pros, pros of the last couple generations. You look at um, Justin Herbert. He got he doesn't count because he got thrown into service because the doctor for the Chargers has the accuracy of a drunk cowboy with a needle. Also, what was it, like mean, week two? I don't think it was week guy. two against the Chiefs, <laughs> yeah. and he came in. But then again, that was one of my claims to fame as a draft analysis guy. Is like I said, Herbert was going to be the best quarterback in my draft by a mile. For real. Wow. Oh, yeah. I did not buy this to a hype. I said Burrow was going to be great. Burrow's recklessness was going to get him killed. Wow. You know, i got to say, not to toot my own horn here, but my quarterback analysis over the past, like, I think two, three years has been spot on except for Justin Herbert. He's my huge whiff. I watched him, okay. and I didn't like him. But it's a big learning experience, and you got to learn from your whiff. But, uh... So here's the one thing that I always understood about Herbert. One, he's had he's had four different OCs in four years at college. That should have told you everything. The fact you still put up good numbers of four different offense coordinators, you get that in the NFL. You don't get that in college generally. So that's what really it's like out to me. I'm like, this kid, regardless of the offense, regardless of the system, could put up numbers, be accurate enough, and make good throws. What blew me away was his arm strength. I was like, holy crap. This dude has like Josh yeah. Allen, like flick it and it goes 60 kind of arm strength. So I was like, okay, I'm sold. There's a kid like that in this draft class, by the way, and he's not on a lot of people's boards. But I, he got a great endorsement. 
it's Jordan Palmer, who is like the QB guru now. He's like a QB training guru. Yeah. Uh, I watched this kid. I watched more film on this kid today. And I talked to you about him beforehand. And I, I know you, you said you didn't have him on his board. But I'm going to tell you why. I watched this kid for about an hour today while I was on the elliptical and sitting at home prepping and everything else. But I definitely loved everything about this kid. And I, it's Carson Strong, obviously. I just, I, I hopefully the Carson thing doesn't scare away too many people because the last Carson that got drafted. But, uh, coming from a true Eagles fan. <laughs> oh my God. Listen, I, I have, I have his two jerseys hidden over here that, why are they up? Oh my God. I got to hide those from That's daylight. Your best dreams and your nightmares in the span of like, oh like my two God. Years. I, 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 I tried to warn Colts fans, they didn't listen. <laughs> but, uh, listen, man, before we get in the draft, Anything you want to talk about of the topics? I basically talked about what happened over the last weekend. Watson, Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Leonard Fournette signed with the Buccaneers today. Uh, even Zach Pascal going to my Eagles. Like I basically just touched on all the big news. Uh, but anything you want to cover before we start diving into draft coverage, have draft coverage head on. Now, honestly, I feel like most of the news has been uh, it's it's been circling for a while, and the opinions have been raging. I don't think there's anything new here. I think maybe if there's one thing I would touch on, I would just say I really, really like the Matt Ryan trade. I think that that would be – that's great both ways. I really do. I think Matt Ryan is far from being washed. I mean, he's definitely not MVP caliber anymore, but he's he's still a good quarterback. And on the Colts, I think he can be really good. And I think it's definitely time for the Falcons to just completely just tear that thing down. There's no – if they drop the quarterback this year, I'm going to be floored. That's going to be just ridiculous. I could see them going to get like a Desmond Ritter second round. I could easily see them doing that. If Detroit doesn't take him with the 32nd pick, that's honestly my mock draft. I have that circled on my big board up on the other side of my office over here. Cause I kind of started scribbling and I said, Raider to lions. Cause apparently Dan Campbell loves it. He's a winner. So I was like, okay. Like, I mean, that's a thing. I mean, I love Raiders tape. I hated Cincinnati's offense. I didn't like how it worked, but he made the best out of it. I I'm also yeah. a big proponent of quarterbacks making, stepping up, making big throws. The Allen kind of like Josh Allen, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, like, they'll step into a throw and actually put it on the mark. I don't like these dink-dunk screen pass shits. It drives me freaking nuts. It, it hides insec- – like, it's the biggest reason why I don't actually, like, like watching uh, – I'm not the biggest Mahomes guy. Half of Mahomes' offense yeah. is him running around like a crazy person and then throwing a screen pass to a freak athlete or throwing a ball on a broken play to Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. You know, honestly, honest to God, I think the most talented quarterback they had to run is Josh Allen. No, followed by Aaron Rodgers, followed by uh, Justin Herbert. I got to agree with you on Josh Allen, but I, as a Ravens, I'm a big Ravens fan. I got to okay. say, uh, I every year I mark the Ravens Chiefs on the calendar. Right, That's the one we look forward to. This year we actually finally got that win. But uh, watching those, those games, it's just you're with Patrick Mahomes on the field, the play is never over. The drive is never over on third and fifteen. He just pulls out these ridiculous throws. You third and fifteen. You got him under pressure, scrambling for his life, ten yards behind the line of scrimmage. Pulls off this laser dart throw. It's just like twenty yards down the field. Wild. He's he's just on another level. That guy. You know what? The one thing about Mahomes that drives me nuts, and I think this is why I I also am not the biggest fan of his family. Obviously, I'm I despise his brother. <laughs> I'm a big Miami guy for uh, yeah, every sport except basketball. Him. And Sean Taylor is like a legend to me. Like I look at Sean Taylor, like a saint of football and this dude's dancing on his grave and I wanted to smack him with a brick, but it's like, and of course, you know, Patrick Holmes, wife is just one of the most irritating people on the planet. So yeah. for me, I look at 
Mahomes, all that, and the fact that he's such a bit like he complain he's almost Brady bad about complaining about getting hit. But yet he runs around like a psychopath with his head cut off trying to make a play. He should know once you guys have the pocket, your protection kind of drops a little bit. Really? You know, this is funny. I haven't heard many uh, Patrick Mahomes haters. This is fun to hear. I'm not even really yeah, a hater. I'm, I'm just like, I respect him for his winning. It's just like, dude, like, I, people call him the quarterback messiah. He's not. He makes great throws. He makes good plays. But he's also now, you know, not even the best quarterback in his own conference. I argue <laughs> within a year, who wouldn't be the best quarterback in the fucking division? Who, I think Herbert. I think Herbert will pass him by the end of the next and the next year. Yeah. I really it's do. It's too inconsistent for me, but that. Uh, I, I also blame the fact that he like Brandon Staley was a rookie head coach and they lost Eckler for half the year. But that's just me. I I just sure, sure. when he has a a decent enough running game and also I would take if you gave Herbert Mahomes his weapons. Oh sweet God! Oh, yeah. Like. The thing is, like everyone forgets, is like the Andy Reid is also one of the best GMs, like at least GM adjacents in football. Yeah, yeah. he loads that off. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes got an amazing situation that can't be discounted at all with Harry Kale, Travis Kelsey, that O line, that defense, coach, general manager for sure. You know, of all the all the places to go to, he hit really hit a home run on that one. Oh yeah, he no, he totally did. And my biggest thing with Mahomes is that. It just, everything's been, like, rolled into his lap. Oh, he's a hard worker. He busts his ass. He's a great player. But it's just, like, I love the Herbert, the Allen stories, even Aaron Rodgers to a certain extent. Because the whole Packers dynamic is just something I don't even know anymore. That, That just, the whole Devontae Adams trade, I think I'm still in shock from it. Yeah. It happened yeah. in our live show on Thursday. Me and Kevin, my uh, my buddy, he hosts Tailgate in the Quad, were literally mid conversation, and my phone lit up from Ian Rappaport because I have him. I, he's the only guy who was like notifications I have marked on Twitter. Yeah. I was like, I was like, wait, what? I'm like, Adams is traded. Like, what's happening? Because uh, you know, you talk to any Packers fan or any Packers insider. Oh, they'll work out a deal. It'll be fast. I don't know. After the fact, it's it's amazing they got that much for him. It, it turns out that he did not want to play there, and the only place he wanted to go is the Raiders. Usually, when you have you know like a one destination trade with especially with a player that doesn't want to play in his current home, like you can't even get a first for that guy. How many did they get? They get two, got two first for him, something like that, and like plus more. It's it's, it's the, the, the most, Packers. It's... I think that people are hating on that trade, but I think they really got by far the most that they would be able to get from that really crappy situation. You want my honest got opinion about it. I think both teams won. It's going to sound so yeah. cheesy, but yeah. both teams won that trade. And yeah. I honestly got opinion. I'd rather, I if I'm the Raiders, I get my true number one receiver. I get a guy who Derek Carr trusts and will make those ridiculous throws to. And I just think it's going to be great. I, I really do. I honestly like love the fit. I think it gives the Raiders a bump, honestly, to possibly be be the last wildcard team in the AFC again, possibly knocking off the Broncos. Cause I'm not going to lie. The Broncos still doesn't, the fit doesn't like perfectly settle with me. We'll see obviously in the draft what's yeah, going on, yeah. but I, the Broncos to me aren't a home run. Like everyone says they are. I think it's really going to come out to. 
basically, I just, I just the Broncos thing's off to me. But let's get the draft thing going. We'll do it. All right, so here we go. We're still have a quarterbacks right now. You here's the deal. We'll go one through R one through five, and then we'll evaluate and then we'll move on to the next one. Of course, we're skipping kickers and punters because unless you're Pat McAfee, nobody cares. Yeah. And then we'll probably lob offensive linemen together because interior and exterior offensive linemen is the dumbest thing on the planet. It's like, listen, I played offensive line in high school. I have buddies who played it in college. Yes, every tradition is different, but for ratings and time constraints, we'll just lob them all together because there's probably one or two guards that actually are good in, who are like first round, second round grade guys that actually are going to hear their names. Because most of the best guards, unless your name is Zach Martin or, uh, you know, or my guy Brandon Brooks back with the when he got drafted by the Texans, or uh, oh god, who's the kid from the uh, Texas the Colts right now? I can't think of his name. Oh, Quentin Nelson. So Quentin unless Nelson, you're yeah. one of those guys, that's it. Like so I, I actually got to disagree on this one. I feel like if we loop the the all the offensive linemen into one category, three surprisingly at least for me, three of the five guys would be interior offensive linemen at least for me. In my top five. So uh, we can do it however you want. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll like, we'll do that top five full offensive line. And then I'll toss in like an extra two offensive tackles after that. We'll see. Oh, we'll yeah. figure it out. We'll roll with the punches for sure. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the best thing. Also, I, I told you before the show, this is a show where we relax, we drink, we curse, and we talk sports. That's basically <laughs> the environment I, I try to instill here. Let's do it. All right. Well, on that note, then, I just want to throw out then, you should just be prepared. All right. I, I love this phrase I, I live by. Scared money don't make money, all right? When, we, when I make these, uh, these rankings, all right, we got to be prepared in advance that when you take like the consensus uh, big boards, the consensus rankings, some of these guys are going to bust and we're going to look at them in one year, just one year from now or two years from now and think, how did we even consider this guy a top 50 talent? Some of these guys are going to be low on our boards and they're going to explode onto the scene and they're going to be NFL superstars. And to assume to try to stick as much as we can to the consensus and assume okay. that that's like going to be the most correct thing. I feel like that's just bad practice. So oh, I'm warning you in advance. There's going to be something. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I love wild. Way take. crazy. My I first one draft high. I did for belly up three years ago. It was the DK Metcalf, AJ Brown draft. I said, and I quote the two best wide receivers in that draft class were DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. I put, took Metcalf at seven to the lions, ignoring everybody about Hawkinson. Wow. I said, listen, Metcalf is a game breaker. They just lost Megatron three years earlier or two years earlier. They need one back. This kid's the closest damn thing. I also said AJ Brown was the best fit for the Patriots. He's a rot runner with game breaking with enough game breaking speed to make a big move. I also said the following year during the COVID draft, I said the sleeper home run pick at wide receiver was Chase Claypool. I said this kid's a freak of nature. He's a big body receiver who can run. I had no idea about all the TikTok bullshit. Hopefully he gets out of Pittsburgh and figures his life out. Or at least Juju leaving Pittsburgh makes things better. But that in mind, I'm going to do my top five quarterbacks, and then Yuki will do the same. We'll flip-flop position. So at number five, I have Desmond Ritter. I love Desmond Ritter for all the intangibles and for his mobility. But his arm does not wow me. His, his accuracy does not wow me as much. I think he's a great player. I just think he's going to be a serviceable starter backup at best. His pro comp to me is a Tyrod Taylor-ish type. Number four is Kenny Pickett, Mr. Small Hands himself. 
I am not the biggest Pickett fan. I grew up a huge, I've been a Hurricanes fan for the last decade-ish. I've watched Kenny Pickett through his freshman year till now. He's a good player. He's a gamer. Do you think the hands scare me? I kind of not really. I don't like his release. I don't like how, you know, his offense was four plays with a bunch of variations. I, you know what? I think he's going to be an okay player. I just think the fact that he's game ready, guys are going to overhype it for potential of the other players. So, number three to me is Malik Willis, the freak athlete of the draft. I think this kid has a, if he, like Dan Orlovsky said it best, if this guy was six foot five, he'd be a top five pick because he hits arm strength, mobility, accuracy. He speaks correctly. The only reason he went to Liberty. Is because they had a, they had a D one you know top level coach there, and he basically the sip they took Bo Nix over him at Auburn, but then again Auburn is one of the dumbest universities in the SEC. <laughs> ask any ask any of our friends at Alabama. This is a very pro Alabama show at least because half our listeners are Alabama grads. All right. Number two, Carson Strong out of Nevada. This is my this is my really? big Okay, I watched two hours of this kid's film now. Totally a hot take. I love him for three reasons. One, his deep ball accuracy is ridiculous. I see him, this dude spinning the, putting a hole through a, a hole through a dime at 50, 60 yards, splitting these tiny holes between hands, coverages, safeties, whatever. And the arm strength is Allen Herbert esque, like sits back and lets it fly. It's a quick snap release. There's no like Cam Newton, Callum Kaepernick, big arm sling. It's snappy. It's quick. He's a big dude. He's a pocket guy. His one thing to me that drives me nuts is this dude does not set his feet, but still throws a heater, which means this dude's got a ridiculous arm. If he's off his side, off his side foot, off his back foot, leaning forward side, it doesn't matter. He still throws bombs. I love this kid on tape. The ball placement's there. I think his biggest knock is that yes, he's at his 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 footwork looks like shit, but that's something you could fix in the pros. It's not so. It's not like the one thing you can't teach in the NFL, and you know this, you you've covered it for enough. You've done enough draft comparisons. You can't teach arm strength. Everything else you can. That's true. And this kid, unlike like Jacob Eason, who was I was high on two years ago, strong. Has proven again, yet again, again and again. He'll sit in the pocket. He'll extend the play. He'll let it rip. To me, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a country version of Aaron Rod- like Aaron Rodgers' type. Big, strong arm, a little mobile, good accuracy downfield. May not be as accurate overall like Rodgers. May not have the freak talent, but strong to me is the high upside kid in this draft. Where it's like, holy crap, this kid could be a game changer. If he goes to the right team, maybe sits a year like Mahomes did. That's my thing. I love Carson Strong a lot. I think he goes to a team with like a one-year, maybe in Indianapolis, who just picked up a certain quarterback who's going to retire in like two years. I think that's a perfect fit for him. And then my number Matt one, Ryan and Carson Strong, that's a very uh, interesting comparison right there. They have they play very similarly. Oh, yeah. And my number one is Matt Corral. I love this kid. I love everything about him. I love his moxie. I love his arm strength. I love how reckless he is. He is Baker Mayfield with a better arm. He's Baker with a better arm and less bullshit. He's a big knock on Baker. Well, yeah, no, Baker has a B-plus arm. I'm not even going to act like he doesn't. Like, honestly, I take Jalen Hurts' arm strength over his now. (laughs) Because here's the thing. is like 
Jalen Hurts can get in the gym, put on 15 more pounds of muscle, and throw the ball 10 yards farther. Baker's shoulders are shot because that Cleveland offensive line his first two years put some mileage on his tires. I love Baker's chip on his shoulder. Don't get me wrong, but like Matt Corral to me is what Baker Mayfield should have been. Like how okay. everyone thought, like I always make the joke, Justin Herbert is what we all thought Carson Wentz was going to be. <laughs> okay. Well, most of us thought Carson Wentz was going to be. It's the same thing with Matt Corral. Matt Corral got kicked out of a private school for punching Wayne Gretzky's uh, son in the face. Automatically love this kid. Automatically love this kid. On top of that, because I just I, I'm not a big Wayne Gretzky guy at all. I'm a I'm a big Mario Lemieux truther. Um, here's my thing about Corral. Every time I watch him play, it's electric. It's energy. It's swagger. It's good big throws attacking the ball downfield. Yes, it's maybe not the most pro-ready system, but Lane Kiffin has never really had a problem with punching out offensive prospects. So I'll take Matt Corral and his arm strength and his swagger. Maybe tone it back on the scrambling, but, dude, he's got everything I want in a quarterback. If, if you said to me tomorrow, hey, the Eagles need to win 10 games to like you need a team to win 10 games tomorrow with the roster they have, you get to choose one of these quarterbacks, but they have to be ready day one. I say Matt Corral. I do. Very I think I love Malik Willis. I love his upside. I love Carson Wentz. Carson Strong. I love his upside. The other three guys, eh, whatever. I do not like Sam Howell at all. Really? This dude went from a high, Heisman front runner and dropped off the board. I watched him multiple times because I'm an ACC football guy. Half the time he would beat you with his feet, and half of that, he's not even that mobile. He's just a big dude and hard to bring down. And a lot of these tackles are tackles that pro guys would make. Yeah, His he's okay. Sure. He still is okay. Honestly, Sam Howell to me is Sam Darnold with more swagger or less ghosts. Maybe a little less arm talent. That's that's it to me. That's that's what he is. Sam Howell to me is Sam Darnold. That's what he is. Very controversial. Carson Strong, QB two. Sam Howell, not even top five. Man, you love to hear that heat. You love it. All right, I'll hit you up with my five. All right, I'll start off. By the way, I'll just go on a little bit of a rant right now. Just be prepared. All right, I hate. I'm categorically against how much everyone says this year's quarterback class sucks. All right, the way Thank I you. see it. Yes, Thank the way you. I see it is at the beginning of the year, they look at the top quarterbacks. They say, all right, how many quarterbacks do we have from the true blue bloods? We have a top quarterback from Alabama. They have a top quarterback from Ohio State, LSU at the time, Clemson, you know, Oklahoma, uh, places like that. And if there isn't a quarterback from there, from the beginning of the season, they mark down that quarterback class, this is a bad quarterback class. But that, that doesn't even make any sense. It's not like all There's the no good quarterbacks in the NFL. There's no big yeah, names. It's not like all why. the good quarterbacks in the NFL are even from the big – yeah, you got uh, Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, guys like that. But but most of the – think about it. Aaron Rodgers from Cal, you know, uh, uh, Matt Stafford from Georgia, and Georgia back then wasn't a huge power. Uh, Alex well, Smith from Utah. Okay, sure. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Texas Tech. Josh Allen, Wyoming. Okay, you know, Lamar Jackson, Louisville, all these guys, these aren't from big powers. You know, I, I, mean, I, I will say ridiculous. with your boy Lamar, though, he did what he was a Heisman winner. That's the one thing I will knock on that argument. Yeah, okay. you, are no, right. Right. you are right, though. Like, seriously, you are right. And it's a media hype thing. Rich, I, I've been here, I listen to Rich Eisen show almost every day when I'm not listening to McAfee or, you know, P, 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 uh, PMT or any of, this, all of our boys here at Belly Up. He's been saying the same thing. The same damn thing that we've been saying because this quarterback class is not a bad quarterback class. 
You want to know a bad quarterback class? 2013. Besides Derek Carr, <laughs> wouldn't have <been> there. <laughs> it's or even 2016. Because I'm sorry, Goff's a game manager. Carson can't throw himself out of a paper bag without a turnover. And Dak Prescott is an overglorified Kirk Cousins. Amari Cooper said it best. That's true. It's an interesting comparison, Dak to Kirk. I never thought. Right, listen, that. Cooper right. was on the money because that's when I watched the two of them, and I, I, I blank out their silhouettes. Besides delivery and arm release, they're the same quarterback. Except Dak can run. That's a very fair comparison. I like that. I like that. All right, let me hit you up with my top five. I'll start with number five. All, All right. right. Admittedly, I haven't watched a lot of Carson Strong, and maybe for when I watch a little bit more of him, I'd have him in my five, but he's just out of my five. But number five, I have Kenny Pickett, and I do not like Kenny Pickett at all. I wouldn't touch him in the first or the second round, maybe late third round, and throw a flyer on him if I was a general manager. But I, the, from what I saw, he's really not that special at anything, all right? And he broke out late in his fifth year, which I don't – I feel like that's a much bigger red flag than people say. If you're 23 and half of the college he's football is all pro, these guys are He's basically a pro player at that point. Yeah, all these guys are starters are 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Some of the starters are 21, but you're at least two years older than every single starter on the field. It's not surprising that you're better than them. I feel like that's, that's a big thing. Also, the small hands, I also, that, that too, I feel like that's not talked about enough. My hands you know, are bigger. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. But everyone's saying that like, oh, Michael Vick had small hands. Joe Burrow had, so first of all, Joe Burrow's hands were, are like at least half an inch bigger than Kenny Pickett. Michael, Michael Vick also Vick, ran a 4-4 yeah, and had a hands, bazooka but, for an arm. Exactly. Michael Vick was just ridiculous in so many other ways. Kenny Pickett is not special at anything to overcome this, like these tiny hands. I am not a Kenny Pickett fan at all. So we agree on that one. Yeah. But uh, we're about to disagree a little bit over here, especially with my QB1. I'll get there soon. My QB4, I have Sam Howell. I like Sam Howell. Unlike what you said, I'm not huge on him. Uh, I don't think that he's amazing. I, he just, he's not special enough. You know, I don't like these consistently accurate quarterbacks. For me, Sam Howell has amazing accuracy. But that's really it. I mean, he's tough, and he was good. At, he was had good mobility in college, but again, he didn't have elite mobility traits, you know, like elusiveness or speed or things like that. He he didn't have those. So the fact that he was mobile in college, I don't put too much stock in that. His arm, it's good. It's not amazing. It's just really just his accuracy and his toughness, you know. And he reads the field field very well. But these consistent guys who are accurate and they read the field well, guys like Tua, guys like you know Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, are those guys? You don't. Those aren't guys that you want to draft. Because every year, if we talk about, like, Minnesota, uh, San Francisco, before they got Trey Lance, all these teams, we talk about them. When are they going to get the guy to take them over the top? Why would you draft someone in the first round who you're already setting yourself up for that annual, when are we going to get the guy to take us over the top? So I like Sam Howell, but I'm not a big fan. He just There's not enough special. There's not enough uh, upside. So that's uh, Sam Howell for me. Then at QB3, I got Malik Willis. Uh, interesting that we're both not high on Malik Willis. I like that. But uh, – I, I love the kid. I just think he's yeah. going to need a year on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Liberty offense is way too simple for him to be uh, to explode onto the Dude, team. I understood but, it in 20 minutes. I mean, yeah, I've been covering yeah, football yeah. for 15 years, but it's like I know <laughs> offense pretty well. But I was like, this is really fucking – this is like a Madden offense. It's fucking basic as shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that that's 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 a big red flag for me. But also Malik Willis, I feel like it's a little bit overblown how good of a of a runner he is. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson, he's not Kyler Murray, and he's not even Jalen Hurts uh, the way I see it. You know, there's the one big thing with Malik Willis is once once he stops, he can't really accelerate the way a guy like Lamar Jackson does or Kyler Murray, where they can just stop and then they get you in close quarters and they just take off. You know, Malik Willis doesn't really have that. So I just I'm I'm a little bit concerned about his running ability and. 
The thing is, if you're not that good of a passer, he can't read the field well. His, yeah, he has some amazing throws, but he has so many throws that are just so wildly inaccurate that if, in order to get over that, in order to really look at him and be like, this guy has crazy upside, he needs to be an elite runner like Lamar Jackson, and he's just not. He's very good, but he's not elite. So I don't know how much I trust Malik Willis's upside. I like him. Again, he, good upside, and this whole like this whole uh, offseason – uh, process for him has been really, really good. And like he, he was my QB four, I think, or even QB five at the beginning of this process. And he's slowly risen for me to QB three. And I, I like him, but I, I just, there's too many things I'm worried about here. So that's my QB three. And then, and then my top two, and this is really like my top tier. These are the two quarterbacks I love. I think they're going to, you know, take it home. They're going to be the, the next NFL superstars. I'm going to go QB two is Matt Corral. I also, just like you love Matt Corral. He is, he's just, this is going to be a little bit of a crazy comparison. I don't think he's the same as Patrick Mahomes, not in any way at all. But a lot of his game is very reminiscent of Patrick Mahomes, the way he just can scramble out of the play. And he is such an amazing improviser. The play is never over. There's no area on the field that he can attack at any point in the play. It doesn't matter how long the play has been going. He is just a constant threat. So I really like Matt Corral. Um, the one thing I don't like about him is that he's just ran way too many RPOs. I'm not sure about how, uh, complex of an offense he ran at Ole Miss and his accuracy is a little bit inconsistent, but again, I, I love Pat McCarroll. I'm not going to, you know, put that, uh, you know, let me lower his draft stock yeah. too much. And then the one guy, and this is my QB one. And I got to say, Matt Corral was my original QB one. Okay. But throughout this off season, this guy has just been rising for me. I just fall in love with him. I love Desmond Ritter. He's the guy for me. And I'll tell you why. When I watch him, he reminds me so much, and, you know, let's put the legal issues aside for a second. He reminds me so much of Deshaun Watson, where I see Desmond Ritter, and he is a winner. He won 44 games in Cincinnati. That's huge for me. And he has a big – I thought he had a big arm. He's mobile. He ran a 4.52. That's huge. His hands are massive. All right? He has long, bigger than, I think, 10-inch hands, which is big. That really helps his translate his arm strength to the NFL. And then the one big issue was his accuracy. He has such wild accuracy. Now, he had some great throws, but he has such wild accuracy. But then – he goes to the game against Bama, where I was expecting him to be terrible. I thought he looked really, really good in that game. He ran a quick pass offense where he made the quick reads, hit the quick slants, and always picked the right guy. I love the way he reads the field. I love the way he improvises. I love his, his mobility, his arm strength. I really – I love Desmond Ritter. I, he's my QB1. I got to be honest with you. He's even one of my top five prospects in this draft. I actually might flip – I'm going to flip Pickett and Ritter. I might even flip Ritter above Willis, honestly. I love oh, yeah. Desmond Ritter. Don't get me wrong. I love Desmond Ritter because I love him as a winner. Like you said, he is the Sean Watson thing. I'm like, I got more of a Russell Wilson vibe off him than I did Deshaun Watson because of the big hands. Because I think he'll go a little later to the draft. I think the Deshaun Lions Watson draft. I think, both six, three. I think also if the Deshaun, if the Detroit Lions pick him at 32, he will start by week seven and he will lead them to a playoff berth in the NFC. I that don't doubt beautiful. it. Well, his thing is like, I also think the Lions are my sleeper team to make the playoffs this year because one team is going to miss the play. I, I think, honestly, Dallas got worse. Philly got better. But then the rest of the NFC kind of stayed second. I think Cleveland, yeah. I mean, I think Green Bay got worse, but it's like, I mean, God bless all you AFC teams, but the NFC got so much easier. That's why Brady came back. He's like, I get busy hit on cruise control to the title game. Yeah, there aren't seven teams that are locked in for the playoffs. Not, not by any stretch. And the AFC's out of the way. There's like nine teams that deserve the playoffs. Oh my god, some of them are gonna miss it. I did. I did a. I did a mock playoff scenario the other day. I was like, holy fuck! <laughs> You're gonna have like the first three out in the playoffs. You're gonna be like loaded rosters. All right, 
We're doing running backs here. This is where I get – this is my down and dirty. I love running backs here. All right. Running backs, I think, are making a comeback. I think the NFL has gotten so pass-heavy that having a running back be able to control clock is so essential. Look at the two teams that made the playoffs. Both were excellent running the football. One did it by committee, Los Angeles, and one had a top five running back and top five rusher in Joe Mixon, Bengals. So, with that in mind, here are my top five running backs. Number five, I'm going off book here. I am talking about, out of Arizona State, Rashad White. I love this kid. On tape. If you love him, why is he at five? He's at five because the Rusty's, I have running much backs, the Rusty's running backs are loaded. This dude's a sleeper. He's probably going third, fourth round. I like him over right. Dalvin Cook's brother for one reason. Dalvin Cook's, George's running style Actually, no, I have James Cook at four. Sorry, I flipped them. Forgot. I love him over the kid out of Notre Dame. I wasn't a fan of his completely. Um, Dalvin Cook's running style. Oh, no, Dalvin Cook, Jesus. Rashad White's running style is such a copy of LaShawn McCoy meets Le'Veon Bell. It's patience. It's quick movement. It's acceleration. He doesn't have game-breaking speed. But he can get downfield because he's just making dudes miss and he's keeping himself away from contact or breaking contact. He's just so shifty. And, I mean, he's not going to bust a 99-yard run like a Chris Johnson or a Tony Pollard or any of these speed guys. But he has this ability to just get yardage and move the chains. Even a decent receiver, blocking wasn't impressed, but then again, it's the Pac-12. Who actually blocks at the running back position? But love the kid. I honestly think he's a sleeper running back in the draft. Then number four, as mentioned, James Cook. Listen, Gene's saying everything. Georgia won the national title with two great running backs. And James Cook is faster than his brother and just as big. Everything I've seen about this kid in the right downhill running offense. I I, I know he's not going to Philadelphia, but like a Philadelphia where it's just all downhill zone reads or Jacksonville. Now that Peterson's there downhill power running, I think James Cook would be ex- ex- like that kind of system where it's a lot of just gap, a gap, B gap, C go. There's no like zone read. There's none of that crap. He's just a downhill guy. I love him for that. Number three, this is where I get a little interesting. I, I like Isaiah Spiller. I like his upside. It's just, AM to me this year was kind of a disappointment as a school. Oh, big time. Except for when they beat Bama. That was, oh, uh, exactly. Can't forget that one. Can't forget that one. But Spiller to me never really popped. He looks fun. He looks like a fun running back, but he never took over games. These next two players above him took over games. That's where they ranked higher. Number two is Brees Hall out of Iowa State. This kid is a mammoth with a V8 engine strapped to his back. Runs Ran a sub 4-5. And is Crazy. over 220 pounds in 6'1". That is a bruiser with some speed, a la Leonard Fournette, a la... I'm not saying Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry is a nice guardian living among men. But I love Brees Hall. I think he's going to be great in a bruiser system. I would love to see him in a place like Buffalo where they need a every day, like, and they need a grinder yeah. back. Or maybe even to Philadelphia, who just let Jordan Walker walk, Jordan Howard walk, and needs a number two back for Miles Sanders' shiftiness. Number one, I watched this man dominate games when they actually gave him the ball. Kenneth Walker. 
He's a freak. Okay, just downhill runner, good speed, good shiftiness, can get the ball out of the backfield, takes over games. Gives me a lot of Jonathan Taylor meets... Like, I'm talking type here. I'm not saying he's going to be Jonathan Taylor. I can't reiterate that enough because people get on me for that. Jonathan Taylor with a little bit of shiftiness, I would say Chase Edmonds. Where it's a a little shiftiness, a little bit of a catch of the ball, but can get downhill, lowers the shoulder, and has the speed to break it away. I think it's a very power back heavy class this year, which is kind of nice. I like power backs. Power backs move the sticks. Um, Yeah, Kenneth Walker's my number one. I've watched this man break my spirit as a Hurricanes fan when Michigan State played us. And then I watched him beat Michigan single-handedly, the the Big Ten champions. So... Uh, oh, not single handedly. I mean, they're like their quarterback, they're like their throws. But this man was a game breaker in that game as well. I'm not a cr- big Kareem Williams guy. I got to watch more tape on him, honestly. I watched one game. I watched two games, too, two all 22 films. And it was games Notre Dame one. And I was like, oh, he's okay. But it's like, he doesn't pop off the screen. If you want to be a running back that I like, you got to pop off the screen. Like when I'm watching your highlight tape, I got to be like, holy shit, this kid can run or this kid can lower his shoulder, this kid can move. I don't see the Kareem Williams yet, but we'll see. I've I've been wrong many times before. What do you got? Very here? interesting. I, I I just want to say I love that you're putting Kenneth Walker as your uh, number one because that's going to make this way more interesting for me. I'm gonna just gonna start off. I, I'm going way against the grain here. Kenneth oh. Walker is not even in my top five, and I'll tell you why. Okay, the okay. big concern for me and. There, there's a lot to love with Kenneth Walker. It's hard to watch him and not, yeah, like you said, not see him pop off the screen, you know, with his vision, his burst, his explosiveness, speed. I actually didn't think he was as elusive as everyone's making it out to be. But, yeah, but he, he was very elusive. And, and all those things, he dominated games. But there's one thing that I just I can't – I just can't get over with Kenneth Walker, and that is he's very small. He's 5'9", sub 200 pounds, okay, and he can't block or catch the ball. He's not a receiving back and he can't block. So he's not going to be in on third downs. And how are you going to have a 5'9", sub 200-pound bruising running back on early downs? That just doesn't work. So what, kind, what role are you going to generate for him at the NFL level? Was he good in college? Absolutely. You know, was he, he was in the Heisman conversation. But on the NFL level, how many early down 5'9", uh, sub 200-pound running backs are there in the NFL? I don't think there's even one. And I just, I can't imagine him being with that size and being successful with his running style. I just don't see it. Um, you know? Kenneth Walker weighed in at 5'10", 210. 210? Yeah. My bad, my bad. Then I I, I was mis, uh, misremembering that. Maybe I'll, I'll raise him a little bit. But still, I just think he's 5'10", and he's an early down running back. It's just I, – I he, he also, if you watch him play, he plays way smaller than 210 and the other guys who play much bigger than the guy like Brees Hall, guys like Isaiah Spiller, who they just play like massive players. Kenneth Walker, he plays like more of a smaller, more finesse running back, explosive, yeah. Uh, he bursts off the screen, but he's, he's a little bit small. He's more finesse. I just I, I can't imagine a role for him in the NFL where he succeeds with his play style. Fair, I mean, fair enough. My one thing about Walker is just he's a nightmare in the secondary. If he gets to that first line, it's a wrap. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But it, my problem is, you know, especially if he's not a receiving back and he can't block, a lot of teams are also going to gravitate away from him, you know, because who's going to want to draft the running back in the second round who you can't put in on passing downs, especially now in a passing league. You can't put him in on passing downs. 
It's just, and then if he doesn't get you know good draft capital, teams won't be as inclined to give him Miami a big, uh, heavy workload. My who who have who have a pass catching back but need a need a game breaker. I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't like any running back that goes to the to the Dolphins with their offensive line. I mean, well, they, I mean, they, Mike, they, uh, but also Mike McDaniel has the best ha, runs a run heavy offense. So honestly, yeah. well, they, they got Raheem Mostert, so he it looks like Mostert might be the early down guy. That that running back room is messy, and they have Chase Edmonds too. That running back room is messy. So that's going to be guy. either that either that running back room is going to be impeccable with Mostert's speed and Edmonds' shiftiness and receiving ability, or it's going to be terrible. There's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so keep going. Sorry, I keep anyway, going. So, so Kenneth Walker, he's not even in my top five. I feel like that's that's my big uh, my big call of the uh, of this draft. Anyway, so at number five, RB five, I have Kyron Williams. I really like him. I feel like he is just a very when you watch him play, he's a very natural football player. You know, it's so obvious that he just understands the game better than anyone else on the field with him at the time. When he has the ball in his hands, he is so methodical with the way he plans his runs and how he gets. To, to any place on the field, how he deconstructs the blocks and manipulates the defenders crashing on him. I, I love the way he plays. If honestly, if he had a good combine, if he even had an above average combine, he would probably be, you know, my RB two or even my RB one, but his combine was just so bad, you know, and he already didn't, didn't like project as such a great athlete. I just, there are too many question, question marks with Kyron Williams. So I have him as five, but I, I definitely don't think he's a bad player. I really love this art, the running back class. So Kyron Williams is definitely uh, – I, I would not be, be shocked if he went, you know, early. Well, not, not now, but as a GM, I would be willing to spend an early third-round pick on him. Uh, number four, and this is a little bit out of left field, but after the, after the combine, I had to go back and look at the tape on him, and I really like this guy, Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota State. All right? This guy, he is – there's – I made this mistake with Jonathan Taylor. I got to say, I got to admit, I did not like Jonathan Taylor coming out of college. I really didn't like him, but I learned from that. There's one thing – that wins in the NFL, all right, in most positions. And that is if you are big, a dominating with dominating size, and you can run fast, you have blazing speed, you're going to be unstoppable. Pierre Strong is massive, and he is, I think, well, I don't remember what he ran. I think he ran like a 4.38 or 4.39. Like this guy is, he, I think he weighs over two, 210 pounds, something like that. He is big with blazing speed. He plays massive he has amazing contact balance i really like pierre strong you know he's explosive the one thing i didn't like about him he played in the fcs uh, in division two so that's not great i mean i feel uh, like he, with a running back though it wouldn't translate as much as with a quarterback you're right i agree that's why i still have him as my rb4 but i would have loved to see him against you know better tacklers for sure um another another thing i don't like about him is he he does run a little bit stiff you know you like your nfl players to be a little bit more smooth and when he runs he's a little bit stiff but he is just so good at breaking ta tackles. He's big. He's fast. He's explosive. I, I really like Pierre Strong. Um, now, number three, and I got to preface this by saying, Isaiah Spiller, before, before the combine, before the pro day, before everything, he was my RB1. He was actually, I, the second I finished watching his tape, I had him as, I think, even a top 15 prospect in his class. I loved Isaiah Spiller. The way he made running backs miss. The way he his vision and anticipation behind the line is just next level. There's so many things about him that you need to have on the NFL level. That vision, anticipation, his burst through the line, his size. I mean, yeah, he's not that fast, but you know, being fast is a little bit overrated with running backs. But he is just he I thought he was so good. But at the combine, he he put up a really bad combine. He didn't run the 40, but he jumped, I think, a 30-inch vertical, which is bad. His broad jump was, I think, even less than nine feet, which, I mean, for us, that's, that's you know, that would be insane. But in the combine, that is bad. That is really Dude, that's bad. that's really bad because 
We did a mock combine for school when I was a senior year of high school. It was a senior year of college for a sports management class. I think I ran, I got like an eight and six inches or something like that. And I'm a five ten white boy from Connecticut. So I think like, that's like bad. Eight, nine or eight, ten. Like that's bad. That's real bad. So that was concerning. And then just now, I think it was either today or yesterday, he ran a, his pro day. He ran a four six three forty at your pro day, where usually the numbers are better. So I had to drop also him make all you run downhill probably too. Like, oh my God. Yeah, I just I I, I love Isaiah Spiller's tape. I really do. And if it weren't for his bad athletic testing numbers, I would have him as my locked in RB1, no question. But I just with such bad athleticism, I just I, I have too much pause with him. I love his tape. I'd love to see how he translates, but I have too much pause. My RB2, and this is a guy I love, this is a guy you brought up that you love. I'm surprised you had him only at five. I love Rashad White. He's my RB2, and I gotta tell you. By the time draft time comes around, I might even put him as my RB1. I love Rashad White. He reminds me so much of Alvin Kamara, the way he runs. I like that cop too, honestly. I really do. Yeah, he just, you can tell he just understands the game so well. He, the way he makes people miss, he's not, at least when he played, his play speed is not that much faster than anyone else. He's not extremely shifty with start and stop, change of direction, but he just makes everyone miss at such a methodical and, and elite level, you know, and then he came in the combine and he ran, a, uh, I think a four, four, seven, which is really good. You know, he's pro ready. He's natural. He's a great receiver. He has amazing vision. He's just amazing at everything. I love Rashad white. I just, I, I, to be honest, I don't really have that much to, to, you know, that many negatives to say about him. That's why I yeah. think he might end up being my RB. One upside was he didn't break a lot of long runs, but he never had to. Yeah. 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 So, so, and, and he has four, four, seven speed. So, I mean, if that's you get why to I give level, the Sean McCoy, Le'Veon Bell comp. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Also with his patience. Yeah. So I love Rashad White. He's, he's, he's a guy I'm pounding the table for, for sure. And then at number one is Brees Hall. Now I got to say of all the number ones I have of all positions, this is the number one I like the least. And I'm not saying Brees Hall is bad. I love Brees Hall. But although he dominated games, there was very little that he did that I was just blown away by. Where It wasn't his elusiveness. Um, he didn't big. have – yeah, he's just – he's big. He runs very well. He, he's good vision, good anticipation, you know, good burst, good elusiveness. He's just very good at everything. But he just didn't blow me away enough. So and with his crazy athleticism at the combine, I have to put him at one. But I'm not going to say that this guy is like – of all my number ones across all positions, this is the one that I like the least, and he might end up dropping to my two the more I fall in love with Rashad White. That's, that's going to end up happening. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate, honestly. With I, I will defend Walker only because like I, I, I do like Walker's playing. I also think Michigan State's offense hindered him so much. I think a creative OC can really get the best out of him. And it's like how, it's more like it's how can you say way, that they injured him when he was in the Heisman conversation? He had a game. I, with five I'm touchdowns. saying it's, they would take the ball out of his hands when they still could have like extended the lead. There were a couple games down the stretch of Michigan State where they basically just took the ball away from him. My biggest issue with him is I look at him like a DK Metcalf type, where I don't look what he can't do. I look what he can do. That's why I have him ranked so high. Because a lot of NFL te- optimistic NFL teams will look at a guy like him like oh. Oh, he's a he runs a sub four four. Oh, he's two eleven. Oh, he's got a lot of tread left on those tires, and he's a transfer. So this guy understood understood how to acclimate to a new system quickly. So yeah, he may not be able to catch right away, but catching the ball out of the backfield is a skill you can learn as you go on in your career. You don't have to yeah. get it right away. I'm not saying it's easy because you know Adrian Peterson couldn't adapt to it in his 12, 13, 15,000 year career, whatever it is, but. I, I honestly, I, I will defend Kenneth Walker. I mean, obviously not right now because we are definitely 
chewing yeah. time up. So I'm going to try to keep this going bit. so people don't like lose. So I'll let you go first for wide receivers, my guy. We're going to do a little faster, maybe like 30-second explanation per each, but let's see your wide receivers, top five. All right, let's do it. I'm going to start off by just saying Traylon Burks is my number six. Now, I got to start off by saying this wide receiver class. Yeah, I know. Get ready. This wide receiver class is ridiculous. All right? The fact that he's my wide receiver six, I still have him with a top 20 grade in, in this draft. You think it's this better than last year's? Is loaded. Loaded. Better than last year's by far. Absolutely loaded. I think this is the strongest class in the draft. Just ridiculously loaded. I like Traylon Burks. It's just the fact that, that he – he, great ball skills, great everything, but he just the bad combine is just gives me a little bit of pause. I would have loved to see he's not as big as everyone says. He's not like he's six five. What, what was he six two, six three? You know, or even uh, six one. Yeah, I six two, two twenty five. Six two. That's good height, but it's not like he's he's not a dominating force. You know, and and I just I did not like the four five five. And I love Traylon Burks. Don't get me wrong, top twenty grade in this class. He's an amazing player. I just these next five guys I like more. My number five is Chris Olave. I feel like he does not get nearly enough love. He is just so natural. He's great at everything. He he needs to get more love. Number four. Four, three, uh, eight, uh, man. Yeah, for sure. Blazing speed. Now, I'll run through these a little bit quicker. Number four, I have Jamison Williams. The only reason I have a number four is just because of the ACL, the injury tax. I thought he was really good. I don't like how lean he is, but it worked for Devontae Smith. You know better than most people, but uh, but I, I don't like how lean he is. That's why between that and the injury tax, I have him at four, but those are really the only two negative things. I have to say about him. Number three, and this is going to shock some people, I have Sky Moore. I love, absolutely love Sky Moore. This guy is explosive. And now, the, some of the things, I, I had him maybe as my wide receiver five or, or even my wide receiver four, but then he came in at the combine. He, he was he weighs in, measures in only at 5'10". So you think that he doesn't weigh that much. He measured in, I think, at like 210, 215 pounds, which is massive. He still ran a sub 4'4". Okay, this guy is an explosive athlete he has his hands are like 10 and a half inches which is ridiculous okay that really helps translate with good hands this guy's electric he's amazing at everything i do not like the competition he played against but i have very few bad things to say about samuel i love this guy number two and this is where it gets a little bit more chalk number two i have drake london who i like him i don't like the fact that he can't separate i feel like that a lot of people are scared about that but his skill set is just so unique you're not going to find guys i don't remember if he was six four or six five but either way there's no one else in this draft class that can do what Drake London can do. So he, I, I feel like that definitely boosts his stock. And number one is Garrett Wilson. This is a chalk number one. He's just so polished, so great at everything. I just, I can't have Wilson any lower than wide receiver one for me. I will admit right now, Garrett Wilson, my wide receiver one too. He's not going to go one. He's not going to go one, but you know, I got you. You don't, um, think, you don't think so? You think London goes ahead of him? No, because I'm not a, I, I think teams are going to have that fear like they did with Justin Jefferson, even though they were, everyone was wrong about Jefferson. Jefferson couldn't separate in college, but it was because LSU's offense was just, hey, here, go throw a jump ball. Go Tigers. Like, that's that's basically their offense. <laughs> and they won the title. So, my number five is um, – it's going to kill me. It's, it's Jahan Dotson. I like him on tape. I really do. But his 40 times should have been faster for how small he is. I, I like everything about him but I don't love everything about him, if that makes sense. I'd say yeah. he's tied with Jamison Williams because Jamison Williams is just fast. Yeah, I got to say about my one knock on Jahan Dotson because I didn't have him in my top five, is he plays like a big possession receiver, but he is small. So I don't understand, I don't see how that will translate well in the NFL. Like he doesn't play like a quick, shifty receiver. So that's very concerning to me. Yeah. 
And by the way, this is ranked on, by the way, guys, this is ranked on how we think they're going to be as pros, not where they're going to get drafted. Oh, yeah. 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 No, are you kidding me? Cause like some team's going to take Drake London and they're going to regret it. Cause I have a lot of Kelvin Benjamin vibes here. Um, so yeah, Drake London's my six, by the way. I'm not a fan of Drake wow. London's game. I watched. Okay. So when I watched quick story, quick, I watched about an hour and a half on Drake London. I had a, uh, I took a, like a extended learning class with a friend of mine on a Sunday. And then we sat there, cracked open a six pack and started watching wide receiver tape. I look over to him. He's one. Of, he's a friend of the show, Mr. Maserati himself. Everyone knows he does our intro song and everything. I look at him. He's one of my best friends. I said, I said, Jeff, he goes, well, I'm like, dude, I don't like this kid at all. And he goes, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, he's playing Pac-12 corners. You can't separate. Like, this is bad. And he didn't run at the combine because he didn't want that one to see. He's probably going to run a 4-6. Yeah. I saw Mac Hollins separate from ACC cornerbacks. I've seen like Ace JJ Ortega Whiteside, who is it considered a widely a bust, separate from Pac-12 cornerbacks. That's not good. So Drake London to me scares the hell out of me. I think he's going to get overdrafted. That's why I don't like him. But number four for me is James Williams. This dude's basically just like a crank up Hot Wheels with like a turbo booster. Just get in the ball in space, go. I don't think he's going to be as elusive or shifty as Tyreek Hill. I see a lot of Brandon Cooks in him where he's going to be a good deep ball guy. Maybe not great over the middle, but like I think James Williams will have a good, solid career. Um, number three is Chris Olave. I love Chris Olave. I am praying that my Eagles take him at 18 or 17 or whatever because this kid is what we thought Jalen Rager was going to be. He's shifty. Oh, yeah. He runs great routes. He's got good ball skills. He run, he's got good burst and good open field speed. He does everything exactly like Justin right. Jefferson. He's Justin Jefferson with a f- good 40. I mean, JJ yeah. ran a 4-4 four, 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 four or whatever it was. But this dude's yeah. a missile. And he's so – you want to talk about polished like Garrett Wilson. This dude's just as polished. I think the only reason that Olave may fall below Wilson is I think Wilson looks a little more explosive on tape. But Olave just does everything right. It's Keenan Allen with o- – he kind of gives me the same kind of vibe Devontae Smith did. Where it's like, it's kind of like that same, like, OBJ's explosiveness with Keenan Allen's route running in hands. That's the kind of, like, what I put him in. Number two, I have Traylon Burks. I don't give a fuck about his four four five his four five five forty time. I guarantee his pro day he'll run a four four nine. That's fine by me. Mike Evans is his pro comp for me. He may not be as tall as Mike Evans by an inch or two. This kid on tape, all I saw him do was body and dominate SEC corners with an okay quarterback. He just did it, and he did it. This is the classic of game tape over combine to me. Traylon Burks is the most talented receiver in this class besides Garrett Wilson, in my opinion. There's no issues with me with his route running for his size. He's a big dude. He can move. His pro comp to me is a bulkier, blockier AJ Brown, where it's like he's a bigger guy. He can move a little bit like less shifty, but he's great on the up ball attack. You know, actually, I take that back. A faster Alshon Jeffrey. That is my comp for him. Because mm-hmm. you know what? Alshon Jeffrey was predicted as a, was going to be a bust. Was he Alshon was Jeffrey like 6'5 or 6'6? Six, six? Yeah. Well, no, Alshon was 6'3. 6'3? I remember yeah. him being bigger. Trust right. me. 6'3. Trust me. I remember. Trust me. I, I, 
That dude, that Eagles dude, he, he's a hero in my in my for my team. Um, Alshon Jeffrey was always a great one A receiver, and it was a great big ball could get downfield. I think Traylon Burks is very similar, maybe a little better open field speed, but I think Traylon Burks is going to be a great. Honestly, his best fit for me right now is if Philadelphia takes him. He fits their offense perfectly. Big body, gets open, can do it in the short route, deep route, and intermediate. He doesn't need to be the number one guy. His perfect comp is like a is like going to a place like Philadelphia or a place like Detroit where DJ Chark's going to get the majority of the catches or Josh Reynolds. Yeah. He's a good off-ball receiver if that if I gets my basketball reference. Number one, yeah. you said it, Garrett Wilson. We can move on. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'm going to tight ends. We're going to do differently. Who's your number one tight end? That's all I'm going to say. Cause like, this is a very sweakish tight end class this year. So if, interesting. I actually, it's not Trey McBride. I love Trey McBride, but my number one tight end, this might shock some people, Isaiah likely. I like him. I think he's going to turn some heads. I think he's big. He is very, he runs very sharp routes. This guy is shifty. Okay, he plays with very good speed. He's a very good and willing, tenacious blocker. He's a great receiver, great blocker, big size. I, there's there's a lot to like about him. There's not a lot not to like, but, but there's a lot to like about him. Trey McBride was he just didn't have as he just wasn't as special as Isaiah likely was in a lot of places. Like he was just very good at everything, just very 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 good at yeah. everything. But he just didn't blow me away, you know. And then I think just I, there's only three tight ends I feel like are worth mentioning. There's one other guy I really like. This is Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Okay. I think he is a great receiver. He was a menace in one-on-one, one-on-one coverage. Whenever you were lined up, the second the, the broadcasters saw Charlie Kohler one-on-one, they said, oh, watch out, Charlie Kohler one-on-one. The fact that he's not being more talked about in this draft as a receiving tight end, I don't get that. But that's really it. All the rest of the guys, Dolchich, way too small, is not fast enough to be a receiver. Weidermeyer is just – how can you be a receiving tight end? If he ran, I think, like a, a five-second 40 at his pro day just now, something like that, something terrible, and he drops a ton of passes, you can't be a receiving tight end like that, and he can't block. And Jeremy Ruckert's a good blocker, but he's just not a good receiver. So you're blocking you're, – if you're drafting him, it's just to be a role player. And, and that's really it for the tight end. I, I mean, I had McBride on my – Number one, but like it's barely. Yeah. I think this is the weakest tight end class I've ever seen. Oh yeah, very very. Weak. Like, there's no even like hit. Like, I mean, I do like Derek Deese out of San Jose State, but it's like he's gonna be a fourth round pick. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's yeah. not really even worth it at that point. All right, we'll we'll bust out all offensive linemen here. All right, it, let's we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this reverse. We'll do this joint here. Who's your number one? I'll give you my number one. I, I well, still we have offensive tackle or all full offensive line? All of it. Listen, so the hogs roll together. Okay, this is going to be crazy. I'm going to go blow things out the water here. I'm just going to prepare you in advance. Evan Neal, not in my, not, not in my top five total offensive linemen. Thank you. I have, I, don't, I have him in my back end of my top five, but I think he's a great player. I think they're the drafting him based off value and based off where he's from. So, yeah, like projection. He has, you know, the fact that they say he can move for his size. I actually didn't think, don't think he can move as well as everyone says, but with his size, and he came in really lean at the combine, that looked really good. So that might boost his stock, but like for me, but just the way I see it, my main thing with Evan Neal is he just looked so bad on tape. He got beat so many times, and he just could not keep up with edge rushers. And the one thing is everyone's saying, oh, he has so much athletic potential. Well, you know what? If you spend three years under Nick Saban and he can unlock, your athletic potential and make you be a great player, then 
I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't happen at the NFL level, but I'm a lot less confident that his athletic potential is just going to, I'm not going to take a number one overall for, for something like that. Not, uh-huh. not even close. And I think, I think the only reason he would go is because his pro comp is a certain uh, Australian tackle for a certain team in Philly who now the current head coach of Jacksonville drafted in the seventh round. His pro comp is Jordan Mailata. By the way, Jordan Mailata is one of the best emerging left tackles in football. Yeah, very underrated. Who's a monster of a human. So is Evan Neal at six, seven and a half. Yeah. My biggest problem with Neal is, one, the edge rushing. I watched that Georgia defensive line smoke him. It was bad. I played edge rusher in high school. I know what to look for. I have buddies who played it in pro games. I have buddies who played it in college. The issue is with edge rushers, a good edge rusher, it's all about the first two steps, and you know if they've beaten you or not. And also, it's after the first seven when like they've got you blocked, your motor stop. This guy wouldn't be able to block a Javion Clowney. This guy wouldn't be able to block a Josh Sweat. A Montez Sweat, um, I mean, a Chase Young, Demarcus Lawrence. I'm just thinking of guys, like just random guys, like Josh Sweat's, like, I guess he's the best edge rusher on Philly right now. Maybe Hassan Reddick couldn't block Hassan Reddick. Because here's the problem. It's a great, I love that we agree on most of our hot takes on this. He, no, he can't, my problem is he can't block speed guys. That's my issue. Yeah. He's a big dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he looks great, but he's not like he's Tristan, Tristan Wirfs, who's a freak athlete. This guy's okay. Yeah, he, he's, he's my OT3. You know, I have Equanu and I have Charles. I Scott have him Adams. too, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I like Cross, though. I'm not going to lie. I, I, his tape is getting better. I, I'm a big yeah. Charles Cross guy. He's growing on me, but I think I think I- Icky's my favorite. I just love his yeah. freak nature. He's, he's my OT1 also. I watched him block Miami's stud top five-star prospect D-tackle into the turf. And I was like, oh, my God. This kid's a monster. So, yeah. yeah Aquano, no, he's, he's our consensus number one. Oh, yeah. And the I'm only, gonna, the only interior through, guy I like, yeah. I, I like Kyle Lindenbaum, but then again, he's a consensus best center in the draft. So, so I, I'm, I'm just going to run through. I'm actually going to split it. I'm going to run through first my offensive tackles, and then I'm going to do my interior. Because the way I see it is there, there are enough interior offensive linemen that I feel like we just I if I were to rope them together we'd be missing out on some guys. Mm-hmm. So I'll just run through my OTs real quick. Number one, Equano. We spoke about that. Charles Cross. I love him. He is a ridiculous athlete. Very smooth. I just don't like he he's not powerful enough. He doesn't have the anchor. A lot of guys bull rush right through him. I did not like that. And at the NFL level, that gets even more serious. So that's just one knock on Cross. Other than that, he is just ridiculous. I love Charles Cross. Number three, begrudgingly, I have Evan Neal. At the end of the day, I can only rake him so low. Um, number four, uh, I have Bernard Ryman for, I just want to say, I love Bernard Ryman. If it, before the senior bowl, I had him as my OT two before Charles Cross, even after Ishki Kwan, I love him because he is not only powerful, has a great anchor, but he is an athlete. All right. But then at the senior bowl, he got absolutely worked by everyone. He just got beat way too much. I was like, if he can't handle that. So I had to drop him to my OT four and then OT five, this guy's getting a lot of hype, but Trevor Penning, I just he does, doesn't seem like he understands the game well enough to be a, uh, a you know a star offense tackle at the NFL level. He just doesn't have that you know processing that you like the identification of blitzers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was concerning for me. Although yeah, he is nasty and a great athlete. I had I had basically the same top three. I just had Penning and Raymond flipped. I had I had Penning at four. I love listen like. 
No, at left tackle, you just need to be able to identify who's coming off the edge at some points. I think with mm-hmm. enough right coaching, he's fine. I, I, I love Raymond. I really do. The problem is, is it's just when Penning's gone on, Penning's on. I, I'm also the biggest Charles Charles Cross stan because I'm the biggest fan of all athletic tackles. I think it's the most underrated yeah. thing to have in the league. If you're because like edge rushers are getting freakier and freakier. Like, I mean, look who my Eagles just signed. Look who your Ravens have as edge yeah, rushers. But, like, but can Charles Cross really stop like Aiden Hutchinson coming at him full force? I don't think so. Fair. I think nine. Right. I think you know, out of ten, ten reps like that, I think uh, Hutchinson gets the better of him, like eight of those, maybe even nine. Fair. All right, I'm gonna b- bang out my three interiors quick, and then you give me your three. I have Lindenbaum, Green, then Johnson. I love Kennard out of Kentucky. I love their system. I love how they run the ball. I love how everything goes to Kentucky. I think the Kentucky football program is up and coming. It's going to be a big staple in the SEC next couple years. But I like Zion Johnson. BC offensive lineman is built different. Those dudes are always intelligent dudes, and they always know how to block. I mean, you got to basically have a 3-8 to get in there as an athlete. Um, Keon Green, listen, the guy's a monster. And Lyndon Baum, I think his pro comp is somewhere between Creed Humphrey and Jason Kelsey. He's just going to be one of those like elite centers. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I just I love him on tape. I love his intelligence, I love his blocking ability, I love his mobility. Yeah, this interior offensive line is great. I got to say, all, these three guys, the only three I have that I feel like are relevant to to talk about are Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, Tyler Linderbaum. Interestingly, in that order for me. So I'll put it this way. All those three guys, I think, are, are top 15, top 20 prospects in this class, for sure. Locked in. They're great. Um, the one thing about Linderbaum, the reason I have him at three, is just because he's a little bit undersized and his combine was not as great as I would have hoped. So he's good, but I just I, – I he gives me very Creed Humphrey vibes where he can come in and be dominant, yeah, but it's just he's not somewhere where I look at him and I'm like, man, we got to get this guy. His upside is, is, is next level. Now, Kenyon Green, I love Kenyon Green. Before his absolutely terrible combine, I had him, I think, even as a top five overall prospect in this draft. The way he was just dominant. And the one thing I feel like is very underrated for offensive linemen, he played all over the line. He played, you know, both offensive guard uh, spots and both tackle spots, which is huge, which teams are going to love. And he was dominant everywhere. I love Kenyon Green, but his combine was just terrible. And then Zion Johnson, he's my number one. He was, for me, he's, I think, a top seven prospect overall in this class. I love him. He's amazing. He's just, he's ridiculous at everything. Insane athlete, very smooth, very mm-hmm. smart and cerebral the way he plays. I, oh, he man. was amazing at the senior ball, blew away the combine. Zion Johnson really is just, he's, he's the next level for me. Awesome. All righty. We're switching over to the other side of the ball, the fun side of the ball. Um, we're going with my position now, the position I love to play. I still play in adult leagues and it's my position. I love to evaluate the most edge rushers. Oh my God. And I, okay, I still have David Ajobo in my top five, even though he blows Achilles out. Really? I had to drop I love his tape. I really do. Yeah, but Achilles for an athletic and explosive, you know, type of guy, that's a a little bit more concerning. If, like, uh, Karlaftis blew his Achilles, I I wouldn't drop him as much. But for Ojabo, someone who his whole game is built off of his athletic development. I'm not the biggest Karlaftis guy. I'm not not going to lie to you. Me neither. We'll get there. (laughs) Okay. So, all right. Number five. I have Ojabo. I love his game. I love his explosiveness. Listen, Jalen Smith was able to come back from a horrific knee injury. The Dallas Cowboys just are idiot. I mean, then again, I think his, his he just couldn't cover. But 
I think I think honestly, a team's going to take him in the third round, second round, whatever it is, and he's going to be a nightmare when he gets back. Um, number four, oh, begrudgingly, I'm going to put Jermaine Johnson. I think he could be three. I watched this man wreck my Saturday night when Florida State broke their losing streak to Miami. This man is a nightmare. He's a freak athlete. His pro comp to me is halfway between Josh Sweat and Jadavion Clowney, where it's just all freak athlete all the time, and he moves well. Everything's on point. The form is great, and he just knows how to get to the quarterback. Number three is Kayvon Thibodeau. If you said this four months ago, you were, like, crucified. Thibodeau was the consensus number one pick before Aiden Hutchinson's little run. But there's also another guy who came up flying up the board because his combine. And because he's going to be changing positions technically in the pros. Number three is Thibodeau. I love Thibodeau. His motor scares me. But you get him with the right coach, it's not an issue. The whole motor thing is just an excuse for bad coaches. That's how I've always looked at the motor excuse. It's like, oh, he's got a bad motor. Um, if you have a good coach, who fucking cares? If you can motivate the guy. Number two, Trey Von Walker. Actually, no, screw it. No, no, no. Aiden Hutchinson. If we're doing my potential, Aiden Hutchinson, I love his tape. But Aiden Hutchinson lacks one thing that bugs me. His burst. He's not a freak athlete speed-wise. He's a he's he's good. He's he's quick. He's fast enough. But he's not a freak athlete. Speed he ran like a 1.6 10 yard split. That's freak. Oh, no. His 10 yard split was incredible. But I just, the next guy I have above him is just such a freak athlete. Like, I got Miles Garrett vibes off watching this kid. I was like, holy shit. But Aiden Hutchinson to me, he's, he's a Nick Bosa type. He's big. He's fast and strong. He deserves to be a top five pick. But so does the guy I have ranked above him. I just think the guy who's ranked above him in my list is going to have a better career. But Hutchinson is going to be an elite Pro Bowl-level edge rusher. So will probably Thibodeau, so will Johnson. This will probably be the best edge rushing class we've seen in years. Like, if my Eagles get Johnson, yes, it's going to hurt having another fucking Seminole on my team, but I'll be okay with it because he's a freak. And so is Thibodeau, so is Kostovsis, so is Ajobo. They're all freak athletes this year. This, this edge rushing class is ridiculous. Number one, Kenneth. No, I'm just kidding. No, Trayvon Walker. <laughs> Trayvon Walker. This kid is a monster. Okay, so quick disclosure. His tape doesn't do him justice because Kirby Smart's defense drives me insane. It's awesome, but they have a man who I think I think Trayvon Walker ran a sub 4-7. I'll get clarification on that right now. Why I love Walker is as a five-technique defensive end, which means he plays inside the left ta the tackle, dominate. Held up blockers. A lot of guys like the Kobe Dean to make ridiculous amounts of tackles. Jordan Davis and also and Elliott also were on that line as well. But, oh, my God, just everything about Walker makes me excited. And it's, right. yes, I am Purely doing is strictly an upside, right? But his upside is so damn high, I have to put him over. Okay, 6'5", 272. 
Duke came in almost with a six pack. A four five one forty. Freak, freak, freak athlete. Uh, Thirty-five inch broad jump, three cone drills, a six eight nine. Good, not great. Twenty yard shuttle, a four three two, which is ridiculous. I just, I, I can't. I, I just, I love everything about this kid. All right, so you're about to see how this, the, the way this this rolled out again, it's going to be very reminiscent of the way we did our running back rankings. But, uh, but for me, Trayvon Walker is my number five. And I'll tell you why. He is, I think that the hype for him has just gone totally off the rails. He is, I'm not by any means betting against him. He is a freak athlete and it's very possible he comes to the NFL and he dominates. I'm not saying that that can't happen, but. He is a developmental prospect. At the end of the day, his pass rushing ability, I did not think was good at all. He did not consistently win. He has a lot of work to do as a pass rusher. And like you said, he is going to probably most likely going to be switching positions, going to be moving from five technique to be a pure edge rusher. And at the end of the day, how do you take someone? I just saw a mock draft where he was number two overall. How do you take someone number yeah, two overall who is a de- developmental prospect? It's too much for me. I think the Trayvon Walker hype train, I, I like him, insane upside, but he just has so much work to do. I just, for me, he has to be down at five. And yeah. With Walk, I also, one thing with Walker, his best scenario is him going to a team like that rotates as rushers, like has three or four, like a Washington, a Philly, like, or a, a Dallas, or Philly, like it's in three NFC teams, but a team that rotates three or four guys every single time, like, it, Everyone gets a breather because at his best, I think he needs like a good older guy to tell him how to get after the quarterback. I think that's his best thing. Keep going. I'm sorry. So no, no, all good. So anyway, so he was, he's my number five. Number six actually is George Karloftis just out of it. I just did not like how George Karloftis can't bend the edge. It's just, it's a big problem. He, he's, it's way too likely it happened. They even did it in college where the better coaches schemed against him. They didn't even, they left him unblocked. They didn't even block him. And then he just can't keep up with the elusive runners in space and with the quarterbacks and say, he just can't do it. So I didn't, did not love Karloftis. Uh, he's insanely powerful, but just there's a lack of, of agility and bend. That's a big problem for me. I think he needs to switch to a four technique while Walker needs to go yeah. outside. Yeah. Yeah. If he's, I think a three, inside, four I like scheme, a I think a three, four scheme, perfect for him. Yeah, I like him a little bit more if he switches it inside. Anyway, number four, I have Boye Mafe. This is a little bit of a of a out of left field also, but I love I his like athletic his tape. potential. Yeah, his tape. I love the athletic potential, and his tape was good. It wasn't amazing. It didn't blow me away, but he was very good. And then at the Senior Bowl, he exploded for two sacks, three tackles for a loss. He had a great, you know, he he has a great body type. He's also like Trayvon Walker, more of a developmental developmental project. And Trayvon Walker is a better athlete. But Boyamafe had better tape, so I put Boyamafe a little bit ahead of him. Then at three, I have Jermaine Johnson. I really like Jermaine Johnson, also crazy athlete. I just I didn't see on his tape anything that really blew me away, anything that I looked at him and I felt like, man, this guy is a freakish pass rusher. He was just very good, you know? And then number two and one is the chalk. I have Kayvon Thibodeau. I, I feel like all the, the flaws about him are a little bit overblown. This guy is a freak. He's still very motivated. I think that people are just – blowing this way out of the water and then number one and my number one i think actually my number two overall prospect my number one is cal hamilton but we'll get there number two overall prospect aiden hutchinson i feel like i don't really even need to say anything about it he's just a perfect prospect there's he just does everything right there's nothing and so many of those things he does at an elite level there's like i have nothing bad to say about aiden hutchinson that's why i compared nick bosa that's his pro con for me 
Yeah. yeah Jared Allen and Nick Bosa were his pro comps. Like that, I'm like, that's pretty good for a, a guy. Like I Yeah, very fair for sure. I just you know I, I like it's just six seven two sixty, man. Four seven forty. I just mm-hmm. oh my god, it's like yeah. what the hell? Um, do an interior D line. Let's what we're gonna bang this out faster because you know it's like besides Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, it's a bunch of guys nobody really knows. I'm gonna give you one sleeper and they'll give me uh, he's my also my five two because I watched him play in high school here in New Haven, Connecticut. It's, uh, Travis Jones out of Connecticut, kid's a monster, absolute unit, and he's just a, a great interior guy. Uh, and then four, I have Wyatt, Logan Hall, DeMarvin Lael, and Jordan. I mean, come on. If you put, don't put Jordan Davis one, you're an idiot. Like he's. I guess I'm an idiot. I have him at four, my man. Wow. I actually am excited to hear this. Go. Cause I have Jordan Davis one. So let's go. Just say it. With Jordan Davis, obviously his combine was ridiculous, but when you watch his tape, he does not play that fast. He plays a lot slower than that. He does not burst off the ball. And he does not have a lot of pass rush moves. He's a great run blocker and also a great athlete. But when you're talking about the interior of the defensive line, his long speed, 47840, how much is that really going to – I mean, it just says he's an explosive athlete. But he's big. We knew he was a good athlete. It's just his game is just not that developed. He's a crazy uh, a good like prospect for sure. And I have him definitely a first-round grade on him, probably even you know top half of the first round. The fact that I have him at four is not to say that he's bad. I just like the other three guys better. Mm-hmm. So he's good. It's just he's not. You know, he didn't play that fast. He did not play. He wasn't quick. He wasn't agile. He he did not have good pass rush moves. There's just it's on tape. He was just not that good a player as his combine, his freakish combine made it seem. Anyway, so at four, uh, I that was, he's at four. At three, I have Travis Jones. Um, I really like Travis Jones. He's really good. His, his tape is so boring to watch. He just he barely did anything. But the he, the flashes he showed were just ridiculous. Every now and Listen, then, he all, just look like he it's could be a, a cop man. Office. It's fucking UConn, okay? Yeah, it, also, it's UConn, so you don't know. Number two, I really like Logan Hall. I feel like he's very underrated. He, this guy, people are calling him a tweener, but the way he plays, he looks massive. And I, I really like the, I really like his game. Number one, and I got to say, number one, by a long shot for me, I love Devontae White. I'm obsessed with Devontae White. He is probably one of my favorite draft prospects in this draft. He... Again, when I compare Matt Corral to Patrick Mahomes, I'm not comparing Devontae White and saying he is Aaron Donald, but so much of his game reminds me of Aaron Donald. This guy is a freak athlete. The way he's methodical with his hand fighting and with his, his hand moves, he just he knows how to play this position better than anyone else, and he is powerful as all heck, and he is a crazy athlete. I love Devontae White. He's my guy. All righty. I'm a big white guy. I like White. It just – I don't know. It's like why I could, I honestly, I really honestly should put white on my two. I probably will. A, a overall ranking, I'll probably, probably with my number two receiver above Leal. Nice. But um, linebackers, we'll we'll speed run these because honestly, yeah, these, besides these Lloyd and Dean, th- th- those two are just built different. The one thing about I have Nicobe Dean number one because nobody Nicobe Dean sticks guys. Yeah. My biggest problem with Devin Lloyd is he's always it's always a gang tackle. There's never him sticking a running back up in the backfield like I saw Nicobe Dean do multiple times. Yeah. I think Nicobe Dean is an elite level linebacker. I think Nicobe Dean's the best linebacker in the draft. Yeah. Like I've seen three rock drafts where the Eagles take him at like 18, 19. I'm like, please, 
That's a dominant middle linebacker for the next 10 years with good speed, good side to side movement. Devin White, Devin Bush esque, where it's like Fred Warner, where he's going to stop a guy in his tracks. There's no issue. Where I worry about with, um, I worry about uh, Devin Lloyd, is he too much of a tweener like an Isaiah Simmons? Yeah. So, so for me, I actually have it as there's three guys I think are relevant. There's N'Kobe Dean. He's, you know, in this linebacker class, he's in a tier of his own. The only knock on him is his size, but I feel like that's a little overblown. Um, then number two and three, I have Devin Lloyd and Quay Walker. I really like Quay Walker. I feel like he's underrated. Quay Walker showed a lot of athleticism, quickness, very there. I got to tell you, there is no other player in this draft that I felt like was more smooth than Quay Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got, uh, so Devin Lloyd, I like, uh, Quay Walker. And then I feel like there's like four other guys that could all, you know, sneak their way into the end of the, uh, of the first round, like the very end, but, but four other guys, Leo Chanel, Channing Tindall, Chad Muma, and, you know, maybe Brian Asamoah, but maybe not actually. So that'd be three guys, three guys. who I feel like could sneak into the end of the first round. Um, this linebacker class is, is very, very deep, but not so top heavy. So we could kind of move on from there. Fair. All right, corners. Now, oh, I have four corners I love. I'm not the biggest fan of the kid out of Auburn, McCary. I, I, nah, I like it. It's not a great tape. I like the other corner out of Cincinnati, too. I can't remember his name right now. Kobe not Bryant? Saw. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, not just because <laughs> of his name, but like, I like his ability. I like everything he does. Yeah. He does it right. But if honestly, if you're really talking about cornerbacks, there's four. There's four elite ones that are going to make an impact. I let it's McDuffie, Stingley, Booth, and Gardner. Rank in whatever order? order you want. What's your order? My order is I have Gardner number one. I love Gardner. I love Sauce. Thanks. Did not announce, did not allow a single touchdown in college. That's a fucking ridiculous stat. Two. Insane. Good size, good speed, long. I like long corners because long corners can cover long receivers. His I wrote here my one my one note on on Sauce Gardner. I wrote here perfect at everything. That's, that's the only thing I wrote on him. He's my number yeah. one. We don't need to talk about him too much. Here's the the one thing is I his hip in because everyone thought this about Justin Gilbert coming out of Oklahoma State a couple of years ago, but they ignored his hips. Sauce Gardner has very loose hips. You watch him run back. His rotation so is perfect, fluid. I like Derek Stingley. I think he needs to work on his physicality towards the ball. I think he needs to work on attacking the ball in the air because Devontae Smith owns him, technically has the deed to his name and everything else, but that's a whole other story. I like Andrew Booth, too. I like his ball skills. You know, God, he did pick off uh, what's-his-face last year, De'Ara King. I think he did. I can't remember. It was, I, it was one of their corners, but either way, I like Booth. After A.J. Terrell started picking up, I'm getting a little better opinion on Clemson corners now. Um... I do like his ball skills. Uh, he can play both man and zone, which I do appreciate because I think a lot of defenses now, you need to be able to play both. And I think McDuffie is kind of like that weird tweener where like... Yeah, he's small. He also has he's, a little bit shorter arms. which is cliche. His his pro comp to me is Avante Maddox, which is not a bad pro comp at all because Avante yeah. Maddox is one of the best nickel corners in the league. But sure. I think McDuffie is going to have a great season. I mean, also, Washington corners have always been, like, good in the NFL. Maybe not elite yeah. level, but you go with Marcus Peterson, Sidney Jones, uh, Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy, yeah. 
Yeah, like they're all solid players. So it's like it's never been really an issue. I think it's just McDuffie. He's going to be like a good corner, but Stingley, Booth, and Gardner are going to be just next level, like elite. But I think McDuffie's going to where he's going to start. Yeah, yeah. All right. So for me, my I, I think that there's six guys. There's six corners that can all go in the first rounds, realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're really the, also the only ones who are worth talking about at all. For number six, I have Kyler Gordon. A lot of people were really high on him because of his athleticism. But the thing is, his he, he was very raw on tape. There's a lot of things he did not do well. And we assumed he would have this great athleticism. He had a bad combine. So it's like, what, what are you really hanging your hat on with Kyler Gordon? Now, there are people who are saying he was sick. But if you're sick, why are you running the 40? You know, why are you running a 4-5-4-40 a if you know you can run a 4-3 and you're just sick? I don't know. I don't get that. But whatever. So Kyler Gordon's my six. At number five, I actually have Andrew Booth. I thought that he was kind of very good at everything. He got torched a few times, which I didn't like. But he was kind of good at everything. He, I didn't feel like he was elite at anything. Um, cutting receivers really gave him a hard time. I got to say, I, I could be making this up, but it really seems like this guy has character concerns. Like, he, here's the thing. This is going to be a little out of left field right now. And this might sound a little crazy to say, but I, I feel like a terrible person to predict this sort of thing. But I would not be surprised if Andrew Booth is one of those players who in the first few years of his NFL career gets arrested for something. You know? Now, that's crazy to predict, but I just... The, the way he played and the way he handled himself on the field, I just did not like that with Andrew Booth. So he gives me a little bit of pause. And then, unfortunately, folks, due to technical difficulties, we lost part of the show. Uke and me both agreed Sauce Gardner is the best cornerback in this class. Then we went on to safeties where we all agreed Kyle Hamilton is the best prospect possibly in this draft, but he's also the best safety. It is also a very solid safety class. You can get the rest of this show in this last segment via our YouTube at youtube.com slash podcast. We apologize for technical difficulties. You can follow Uke at Uke underscore NFL. And, of course, you can follow us on this podcast. We appreciate you stopping by. appreciate you listening this long in the episode. Mock drafts coming soon. And show Thursday with special guest Frank Michael Smith. Have a good week. Hey guys, Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly of Podcast Network.